0: Wednesday night rugby on off the ball. Now then, round five of European action is very much upon us. Munster are away to Gloucester on Friday night. Leinster hosts Toulouse this Saturday lunchtime. We have Ulster hosting Racing in Belfast at a quarter past three on Saturday. And in the Challenge Cup, Connacht have Sale. We have Eddie Sullivan and Stephen Ferris with us on the line. A few pieces of housekeeping. We have a brilliant prize for the Heineken Star comment this week. Two tickets to Leinster against Toulouse. So get your comments in. And we'll have a lot of the um, rugby covered over the weekend as well. Leinster against Toulouse will be uh, with Conor Morris, Keith Wood and Kevin McLaughlin. Ulster against Racing will be brought to you courtesy of Oisin Langan and Andy Dunn. And we'll have updates on Connacht against Sale from Jenny Murphy. And final piece of housekeeping, I should tell you that in aid of the IRFU Charitable Trust, Stephen Ferris is climbing Kilimanjaro on Monday. Hello, Stephen Ferris. Hello, how are you? Just climbing Kilimanjaro on Monday, is that all?
1: Yeah, as you do, Joe, as you do. Um, <laughs> Round yeah, of
0: golf beforehand or no? Just, uh... <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> no golf, no golf. I'm saving the, the knees and the ankles, but yeah, it's all for a great cause. There are a few charitable trusts. Um, Shane Byrne from Leinster, Marcus Horn from Munster, and Mike McCarthy, Leinster and Connacht. So um, the four of us are taking in our own teams up there and hopefully we all reach the top uh, that's the goal and there's plenty of cash
0: How long is does it does it take somebody to climb Kilimanjaro
1: Well there's a few you know, there's a few different options where we're taking the longer route um trying to climatize better the old altitude sickness can kick in um especially when you're trying to get the 5895 meters um I think the tallest mountain that I've climbed previous to this is uh, 850 metres and sleeved honored up here in the north so uh, it's going to be a challenge for sure but um, I think we're going to be away 10 days door to door uh, I think it's 6 days up and a couple of days down so nice and slow up and then uh, get down as quickly as possible I think
0: OK and all for a good cause good man Eddie you're not climbing anything anytime soon are you?
2: Well, I was just talking to Stephen about this before Christmas, when I was saying to him that there's no way in God's earth to get me up a mountain that started with the name Man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wish him luck, but it's probably past my best for doing that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> right, OK. Well, listen, the best of luck from all of us. Good man. It's for a good cause, Stephen. Um, Cheers. So, the weekend. I mean, Eddie, this weekend sets up, certainly from an Irish point of view, when you look in the Champions Cup at the three games. It's about as tantalising, interesting, uh, tricky and significant a weekend as you'll get in European rugby. It's really, I mean, it just looks beautiful from this vantage point.
2: Well, it'll be beautiful if we all come through it, but mm. that's the tricky part. We're at that business end of the season with, with the with the European Cup that, you know, the last two games of the pool really side where everyone's going afterwards. And as it turns out, um, there's an element of jeopardy around all, all the three provinces in, in, in uh in the European Champions Cup, like Leinster second in their pool. Yeah. If if they were to lose, um, they, it, I mean, I think they might find themselves not getting out of the pool. You like think they'll get there yet, but suddenly all comes down to the last game. Munster leading the pool, but like the two teams at the bottom, Exeter, Chiefs and Gloucester, still a dog in the hunt, you know. And an extra have to go to home Park. Probably the one team I wouldn't like to have to face off in Thomond Park because they're they're a tough side no matter where they are. And then, obviously, uh, Ulster, you know, Racing have controlled that group, and they'll go after it. And, you know, if they lose in the weekend, Ulster are again, looking for the last game to maybe get them a, a, a place. So it's all up for grabs. Yeah. Just, like, there's nobody in a position where they can take a breath here. And um, this weekend is pivotal because you either, you know, you can't qualify this weekend, but you could rule yourself out of qualifying this weekend. And that's the problem.
0: Yeah, and that's half the beauty from our point of view, Stephen. These games are all pretty much unmissable.
2: Yeah, they are. And it's
1: just such an exciting weekend of rugby. Um, Thankfully, I'm going to be up in Belfast here watching the game and commentating on the game. And it's just... You know, there's a real buzz around Belfast I'm sure that's the same in Dublin and the same in Limerick mm. um, and as Eddie said just to reiter- reiterate everything that he said you know, these are games that you can go out of the competition very easily or you can get the, get the win and keep yourself very much in it
0: I want to get your thoughts on all three would you mind just start with Leinster Toulouse to so the four times champions against the four times champions as Eddie said Toulouse are on 17 points uh, Leinster at the moment are the best-placed runners-up across all the pools. They're on 15 points. Uh, kicks off at 1 o'clock. No Johnny Sexton, we can probably safely assume at this stage. It, it would seem very unlikely they're going to risk Sexton on the eve of the uh, Six Nations. Uh, no Devon Toner, which doesn't happen very often. Robbie Henshaw, probably unlikely as well. Uh, no James Lowe as well, suspended. So, I mean, they're serious players to not have in your uh, side. Uh, told us about this game, Eddie. There's a, I mean, there's a, there's a whole host of things. For a start, it should be a really brilliant game. The return leg of that game in, in um, France, the 28-27 game, was a great game. Lancaster was talking about the, the uh, Toulouse style at the moment, and he was, you know, talking about trying to analyse them in the build-up to this game. He says of all the tries they've scored, over half of them are off counter-attack, which is incredible. If you look at the top tries of the European season, I reckon Toulouse will have the top five at the moment. In terms of their running ability and their unstructured rugby, we pride ourselves in Leinster, on our ability to play unstructured rugby, but they are at a different level. They are outstanding.
2: Um, well, I think Toulouse have reinvented themselves mm. um, in the last couple of years. They're certainly probably the, the most attractive French team to watch at the moment. They're back to Toulouse of all that we, we, we've, you know, won, won three Heineken Cups because they're playing with a, a wit on their game, they're playing a power game as well, they have a nice combination. But they're still a French team who, you know, have to come away from home. I mean, they they um and they still struggle to beat Leinster at home. It was a one point game. So you still like to think Leinster are the favourites, but then when you factor in the guys who are missing, you know, like Sexton, uh Turner and then uh, Henshaw's never going to be there this weekend. Yeah. I think that that kinda of loads it back towards to lose. And they have a sense that if they can Win in Dublin, that they're home free. Really, you know, they're they're not going to they're not going to fall up the following week um, against Bath at home, and that would be looking then down the barrel of with with a good finish or home quarter final So there's a lot like there's a lot on the table there for Toulouse not to show up. You never know what French teams are they're still capable of not showing up, but I think this Toulouse team will come and play, and it, it's kind of a game with Lens are getting top of them. Uh, early on and, and kind of get their foot in their throat they'll probably give up and go home and, and take their chances the following week but as long as they're in the game Leinster is going to have their hands full and you know you're missing Sexton who's a key guy Ross Bourne will earn his, his chips this weekend for sure I mean, mm. this is where he'll really where really hits the road from full, full pressure on him so I think it's a hard one to call I still think Leinster at home but it's still a tough one to call
0: And um, you know Lancaster as you would expect Eddie was very keen to point out that they have total faith in Ross Bourne and he's played Plenty of European rugby at this stage, and Lancaster actually said he's the most improved player at the club maybe over the last eighteen years or two months. So we, you know, where is Byrne in 2019 for a crunch game like this in the absence of Sexton? Would you have faith in him as well to do a really good job?
2: Uh, yeah, I think to be fair, to what Lancaster said is to stand, you know, stand, stand on its own because he hasn't had a bad game under pressure for Leinster. Um, you know. And but he is on a journey. He isn't Johnny Sexton. There's no point pretending he is. He has improved, but he still hasn't the experience. And this is on Saturday, where like he will be a big hinge in this game. If there'll be parts of the game on Saturday, I think if it's a tightest game as we expect it to be, that the game will be going awry for Leinster, you know. And that's when your your key number ten steps in, grabs the game at the scruff of the neck and settles everyone down as Sexton does when he's there. Now, can burn do that? We don't know. I mean, I'm sure Leinster believe in him. I think there's no reason to believe he won't do it. But that'll be the asset test on Saturday, unless. Leinster hit the straps early and they're on top the whole way through if there's some ropey patch in the second half or it's a one score game that's when your 10 you know circles the wagons gets everybody on the same page and gets you down the field and gets a crucial field position to get your crucial score to win the game and if they're, if they're the margins and he gets that done they need to prove themselves mm. but I still think there's always that element of do with a young player and be fair to him He's met all the tests up to now, so there's nothing to say he won't do it.
0: Uh, Stephen, we don't have you on every week, so maybe just a big picture question about Leinster this season first to you on this point. I'm sure you would have seen the Ulster game and we know that Leinster have this amazing strength and depth and they can dispatch everybody else's second team with complete ease and that happened at the RDS. But uh, as for their, their, their first team... In comparison with the standards Leinster set for themselves last year, where they won every single competition, every, every single game in European competition, are they firing to the same degree this year? Do you feel their best fifteen?
1: Um, I'm not sure. There's been so much chopping and changing um, within the team, over, mm. especially over the last number of weeks, and I think that's going to have an impact on your performance at some stage. Um, you just look at the Leinster team. It was down in Thurman Park. You know, a couple of the big hitters were out. Um, you know, Joey Carby and Johnny Sexton coming up against each other. Uh, tag burn um james ryan coming up against each other and it was almost like munster just decided right we're going to get under Lencer's skin and we're going to annoy them we're going to get into their faces mm. and i think if if toulouse can kind of have a good look at that video and say right what did they do because lencer played more rugby you know munster hardly hardly played any rugby at all in that game but yet come out uh on the right side of it you know uh, albeit a keith earl's intercept at the end but they still deserve to win the match um, and I think if you can if you can rattle Leinster, especially with a couple of their key men out, then maybe they are vulnerable. And maybe Joe, in, in, in years gone by, we, we might not have said that.
0: Yeah, um, I, I look to lose have an array of really star performers. Uh, Cheslin Colby has been talked about by various people at this stage. Lancaster was saying you'd pay money to see Larmer and Colby on the same field at this stage, and you would. And um, people have wondered, Stephen, would you would you sets would you would you have a Leinster player in mind in particular? To look after Colby, he's been playing on the left and the right of late, so I I, I don't even know which wing you can guarantee he's going to end up on. Is it like is he that good that you need to pick someone specifically for him?
1: Yeah, I think going out and trying to man mark somebody like that, he's going to get the ball, he's going to get it in space at some stage, but it's working together. Um, I think it was against Bath in in the wreck where he stepped inside three or four guys and yeah. just left. People in his wake, um, and he's just you know a very talented athlete um, and and get a really good finisher. So for me, it's just about you know managing the game, and when he does get the ball, you make sure and try and shut down the space early, and you know you you, you try and use the touchline if you're a winger uh, to your best of your ability. But sometimes you know somebody of his ability will will, will just be able to step in. It's that man inside or outside you that's going to have to cover make the cover tackle. So yeah. yeah, he'll be talked about. He'll be pinpointed. I'm sure Lancaster. Uh, you know, a couple of high balls on him maybe early on really test him and get into his face and make sure and let him know that he's going to be in for a really, really tough game mm. um, and I think that getting into the psyche of a player like him um, might be better than uh, the other end of it in terms of a, a, his playing ability
0: Yeah, Eddie totally accepting Stephen's point that it's a team effort to stop a player like Colby do you have a Leinster player in, in particular in mind who might go on that wing to face him?
2: I don't think there's anyone in particular I mean it's about whoever's on him doing certain things well and it's about, they'll obviously do an old analysis on him, but what they might do is they'll make a tactical adjustment that, let's say he shows up on the right wing, mm. is that the left winger marking him? Like, Leinster play their wings high a lot anyway. They do like to play their wings high and get more people into the line. But you might, on that side, play your winger very high and give him no space whatsoever. And then if Toulouse want to kick in behind, maybe play your, your your sort of sweeper over a bit further and trade up, make them kick the ball rather than give it to him. Like, any strategy you present to an opposition should make them do things they don't want to do. If they want to get the ball into his hands, then don't give, give him any space. So then the only option is to kick in behind you and then deal with that in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then for why they have to deal with ball and behind them because they, they, they tend to counterattack well and not give it back. So they might make those slight adjustments, play that winger, whoever is higher in that area, and make sure if they give him the ball that you're on right on his face when he gets it. Like, it's grill-on-grill grill as soon as he gets the ball. Yeah. So, I think that things like that make a big difference. And then knowing, like, when, when he likes to come off, which foot he favours, which hand he carries in, all those things add a little bit of juice to it, which makes a difference maybe when he's getting the ball 10 metres out and there's three guys trying to track him down. So, I think things like that are what they'll focus on. Mm. You don't want to get too hung up on it either because, you know, if if you talk to the guy up too much, you know, like, people start believing that he he's he's so much better we can't leave with him. Like he's got as many bones in his backside as anybody else. So the key is when he gets the ball you put him on his backside and I think they'll focus on that side of it and, and not get too hung up. But he is a very good player and he does change games but that's what you do. You, you make adjustments around him without actually frying your own brain as to what happens if he gets the ball.
0: Yeah, fair point. Um the Lancaster Commons have been part of a theme from Leinster this week. They've been really killing to lose with kindness. Leo Cullen's come out and said they're a better team now than they were in October when they played in France and mentioned the Likes of Jerome Kaino's back in the side, and Jack Conan's been saying similar <coughs> things. So there's been a very um, a respectful air to the build up. How highly do you rate Toulouse then, uh, Stephen? I mean, Eddie's talking about this sense that they're back and they're playing that rugby that they've been playing, and they're unbeaten in 12. I think their one draw in that 12 is away to Claremont, which is uh, very impressive as well. So, so, how good are they? Are they like these? We're talking about real tournament contenders here again.
1: <laughs> absolutely and my eyes are absolutely fantastic um I think the last defeat came a couple of weeks before the Leinster game um actually at home to Castra. so you know to go on that unbeaten run you know breeds a lot of confidence within the squad and um, the guys will be buzzing they've a couple of big names in there key players that seem to turn out week in week out for them so yeah I really rate them highly Rory Best talked in his uh pre-match interview our Uh, leading into the the week against Racing about three big teams one being Leinster the other being Saracens and and the third being Racing 92 for, for me I think there's four and that other one is to lose. Right. You know, they're just so, so dangerous. Um, There's so many guys in the pitch that can just pull a rabbit out of a hat and make something happen. And you know Stuart Lancaster alluded to it, the amount of tries that they score off turnover. Um, they're just so dangerous. So you know, when you have a team like that who are uh, flying high at the minute, um, be coming over to Dublin with plenty of confidence, then you've got to say, Joe, that they're, they're a very,
0: very good side. Okay. Eddie, assuming um, Robbie Henshaw isn't fit, would you throw in Conor O'Brien this weekend?
2: Yeah, I think he's he's made his case. You know, um, I'm always reticent to to make those calls when you're you're not watching the guy training. You don't know how he's going in training. You don't know how everybody else around him's going in training, or how he fits in. But on the face of it, yeah, he 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 kind of sort of made made his case to be selected. But if they don't select him, you can you can imagine that there's good reason for it. That, you know, they don't like to look at things for some particular reason. Might be defensive, might be attack. But yeah, I think if he plays, he plays, and, and like. I don't expect he'll let the side down. He's, he, from what you've seen so far, he can only go on the evidence presented to you that he's ready for it.
0: Mm. So, are we saying here we're still making Leinster favourites, Eddie, in spite of uh, no Sexton tone or Henshaw low? You said at the outside that certainly tilts things back towards to lose his favour. I, yeah,
2: I think I think it'll be a very tight game, but I have, I have a sense that Leinster will get it done at home. Um, and I just think they have to be very careful, though. This has to be really good, clear game plan execute well, I think they can shut to lose down, but they've got to get a lot of things right or they could get into a bit of a pickle. Uh, and I think, but I I, I have confidence they get it done, though. Yeah, Stephen? Yeah, um...
1: For me, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be extremely tight. It's going to come down to one last play or a magical moment from one individual, or Leinster are going to run away with it. And the reason why I think that is because I've played against Toulouse and Belfast. You know, they come up with all their big name stars. You know, Ulster, a team that weren't exactly going well, absolutely romped the victory. So, you know, it just depends what way they travel and where their mindset is. Um, For me, Leinster, they're playing some good rugby. Toulouse are playing some good rugby so we're in for an absolute ding dong of a match I think
0: Yeah it's not to be missed Leinster by the way will be away to Wasps in round 6 and Toulouse will be at home to Bath so that is the Leinster-Toulouse pool and then you mentioned um, you know at home to French opposition Stephen so that's what Ulster have again this Saturday afternoon 315 Um, Their European season thus far, so they beat Leicester and Belfast on that horrible, gloomy day in round one. And then there was the defeat away in Paris to Racing, which people would have expected, I think, 44-12. And what's really ignited their season has been those back-to-back wins against Scarlets. And suddenly here are Racing coming to Belfast. So, um, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's all teed up beautifully. I think the RDS showed what we all know, which is that Ulster don't have a, a fantastic squad, but they do have a very good first 15 when they're all on form and the big guns are all coming back. So um, where are we in this game? Is there confidence in the Ulster squad to actually go and win against Racing? Or are we tired? Do you think there's mumblings of, uh, well, a losing bonus point is fine here?
1: No, no they'll be going all, all out to try and get the win. Um, the guys very much like Leo Cullen and Lancaster and, and Jack Conan coming out. And given Racing 92, um, you know, kind of bigging them up and saying that they're one of the top three in, in European rugby and you know, blowing a lot of confidence towards towards Racing 92. And I think, yes, there's an element of respect there, but I think everybody in Belfast believes that Ulster are almost the underdogs here. And the reason for that is because of their uh, results over the last three or four weeks. Now, it's not going to be the same team that takes the pitch on Saturday that's taken the pitch over the course of the last three weeks. Four points from a possible 15 mm. in the under pros just isn't really good enough. So, you know, rugby, professional rugby is very fickle. And, you know, the, the fans up in Belfast are quite anxious about this star-studded Racing 92 team coming to Belfast. Um, I think they do have an inner belief that they they can get the result, especially at home. Uh, they've only lost a couple of games in thir- in, in, in 30 matches at home, uh, so a good proud home record. Uh, French French opposition, you know, pretty good record, beating the likes of Toulouse, Clermont. You know, um, La Rochelle were supposed to come to Belfast last season and do a number, and they didn't. Mm. Uh, but one big injury blow um you know is ian henderson yeah. and you know we talk, we talk about him but he is a man Right, you look at you know bernard larue nakarawa for for wrestling 92 you know and, and then you kind of flip it over and you, and you think about the ulster second row and you go okay he's gone you know the talisman the main guy the heavy duty um tight head lock there he's just not going to be there and unfortunately for him he's missing this one but I think uh, with with the World Cup only around the corner, he'll try and catch it till the end of the Six Nations. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a, another one that you don't want to miss, Joe. Yeah. But uh, Ulster have got so much to play for, and I think that, that might be the difference on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and you're missing um, Henderson in the lineout as well. It was interesting. A few people have mentioned Johan van Graan when Munster played Racing last year. Said that they had the best that this is Racing the best defensive lineout in the world, second best after New Zealand, which was quite the compliment. So that's just another aspect of Racine's game. The thing which struck a lot of people about the game in France, Stephen, is that the Ulster Scrum was fairly much demolished for much of that game. And, you know, once that happens, you've no chance in France. Is the Scrum in any way better now than it was then?
1: <laughs> I'm
0: not sure, to be honest.
1: It's it's uh, it's really as bizarre. They've chopped and changed all season. Um, for me, they'll probably go with young Eric O'Sullivan, formerly uh, a, a Leinster man. And then you'll have Rory Best back in there, who's only played 20 minutes of rugby over the last three weeks. Um, and then Marty Moore, you know, the last couple of weeks against uh, against Conant, um and against Leinster there last week, the scrum got absolutely demolished. Mm. And if there's a key area uh, in this game for me, it's going to be scrum time. They got demolished in Paris. They got demolished over the last couple of weeks. And if the first couple of scrums uh, don't go with you, Eddie will tell you, you know, it can really get into into your head. And before you know it, you're conceding penalties, and like Ulster have done over the last couple of weeks, yeah. also conceded also conceded penalty tries.
0: Yeah, uh, some small uh, crumbs of good news. Teddy Thomas out, and uh, it looks like he'll be out at the Six Nations. Simon Zebos coming to Belfast. The other injury news from an Ulster point of view, it seems Michael Larry picked up a, a head injury at the RDS, so he's unlikely. So, Eddie, Rassing coming to Belfast. This one is kind of, I mean, it, Rassing 19 points, Ulster 14 points. This is a mm-hmm. really, It's a really nice chance for Rassing to put this pool to bed, and they'll know that.
2: Yeah, it's exactly. What my view on it is that they look at that and say, "Look, if we if we win in, in in Ulster, that's the pool done and dusted, and we can almost romp on in the final weekend um, when when they play Scarlets in in Paris, you know." And Scarlets have been poor this season. I know we talked really uh, about Ulster and the, the back-to-back performances, which credit where credit is due, they were really good performance in Ulster. But then when you look at Scarlets, um, their season has been very, very patchy. They're struggling the Pro 14 as much. I think the other thing that makes me worry a little bit is that <clears throat> probably over, of the four provinces over the Christmas, the festive season, like those inter-pros, I think Ulster managed those the worst, really. Like they, they just came unstuck so easily. Uh, I know Dan McFarland is probably, um, he's probably a bit shell-shocked from the injuries he had early in the season where they went down to Limerick and got walloped because they were missing about 10 players. Uh, and he's very nervous about having to go to Europe with injuries. Yeah. But I just think that they, they've gone now from a situation where they could be second in the Conference B of the Pro 14 to fifth. Now, there's not much in it, but they've kind of, like... Or Chris has played himself out of the playoffs in the Pro 14 by just trying to manage their way through to weakened teams, and they've come a cropper. Uh, they beat Munster, um, all right, up in, up in Belfast. But that was... I was at that game, that was... Probably not a great performance. They got the result because Munster travelled very light. So like whether you like it or not, if you're losing games, even though it's not just starting 15, mm. it does seep into the psyche of the squad. Like Everyone's on training every day and the mood is never the same when you're losing. But, it, but isn't there? there...
0: No, I, I totally take your point, but isn't there maybe a reality for McFarlane that he knows the squad isn't strong enough and, OK, you know, you, realistically, they're not going to win at the RDS and they know that. And then, yes, the Connacht game is the one that will stick in the craw a little bit. But ultimately, McFarlane could look at the whole thing and say to himself, well, do you know what? We still have time in the season to get back into contention in the Pro 14 and we're only... <coughs> what well, we're on 14 points, so we're just behind Leinster as the second-best uh, runner-up runner up team in uh, Europe. So really, I mean... He'll be looking at this month and saying, if I can emerge somehow and sneak into the knockout stages and then we're vaguely in the mix in the Pro 14, then suddenly the Interpros over Christmas will feel like a long, long way ago." And don't, don't teams that have an ability, I mean Munster famously have done it down, down the years, to put like a horror show of weeks behind them and suddenly turn it on for Europe? That feels like the kind of thing Ulster can do in Belfast.
2: I agree 100%, and I think it just... You've just verbalized if, if there's Dan McFarland's sitting here, he'd say that to you because I think that was his metric. There's a risk in it though. All I'm saying is all I'm pointing out the risk. Mm. You know, and this the problem is not so much Ulster. Like Dan McFarlane is, is dealing or they play in the hand he's been dealt. And they don't have great depth in the squad and he had to roll the dice uh, over the Christmas in terms of trying to get results with weakened teams and so forth. But the problem is Racing, who are in position to seal the group off. Mm. Uh, and and that, if, if there was another French team coming that you know, they might take it or leave it, but I just think this wrestling team are on a mission. I mean, I think Jackie Lorenzetti wants to win the European Cup. You know? yeah. And that, that has a big impact on a French club. If the owner wants to win in Europe, the club plays well in Europe. And what we've seen in wrestling at the moment, they want to win in Europe. Mm. I mean, they came close last year. No cigar. This year, they're going for it. So that's the problem Ulster have, mm. is that Racing will come to town. Now, I'm not ruling Ulster out winning that game. We know uh, Ravenhill, Kingsman City, want to call it, uh, with a full house in Europe, is a dreadfully difficult place to get a result. Very difficult. And that's stood, stood Ulster and said over the years. That really hasn't changed. And the place will be rocking mm. uh, for that game. But it's, it's the tricky one. And I think the problem for Ulster is they lose that then they're going over to the Tigers the following week, yeah. away from home, trying to save Europe. And and that, that brings extra pressure. They know that. They know there's no rigging room here. And that brings extra pressure. Whereas Racing could probably leave you know, Ulster on the weekend with one point and then sort the, the group the following week at home. But Ulster don't have any rigging room. So I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm mm-hmm. just saying is that the way it's stacked up, they haven't made it any easier for the results.
0: No, I accept what you're saying. So, Ulster on 14 points. Let's say they manage to nick a losing bonus point and get to 15. On average, teams have got through as best runners up with between 16 and 17 points. So, realistically, Stephen, they would then have to go to uh, Welford Road and get a win, which, you know, may not be beyond them given Leicester's uh, current form. I know Leicester have improved. So, give us your predictions for Belfast then, Stephen. And uh, give, me yeah, that, give, me, give me what's in your head, not what's in your heart.
1: Yeah, no, um, <laughs> trust me, Joe, I think Ulster's whole season is riding on this one game. And the reason for that, over the last few weeks, everybody's a bit down in the dumps about Ulster rugby at the minute. And, you know, they're not playing that well. But if they can turn it around, as you said, you know, sneak into Europe, those bad games will be forgotten about, quickly forgotten about. And just the kind of... Go back in those games. I have a small bit of sympathy for Dan McFarlane because he can't afford to get any of his his first team players injured, and that's why I think there were so many guys rested over that Christmas period. Because if they had picked up another another injury or two, to key men, you know, getting into this racing game when you need those key guys, you're absolutely stuffed. Yeah. So um, I, I can understand that, uh, but at the same time, I agree with Eddie. When you're when you're you know stacking up the losses, it can get into your psyche a bit. So uh, for me. I've been there, I've done it, in in Ulster jersey, when the French teams come to come to town, I think it'll be a close one. But for me, Ulster are going to sneak it and, and try and get their season back on track.
0: Okay, do you want to give a splash of cold water into Stephen Ferris's face there, Eddie?
2: <laughs> yeah, no problem there. I, I, I worry for Ulster this one. I've a sneaking feeling that Racing, if they show up, like you know they can, they get it, they'll, they'll they'll sneak it. But I'm not gonna rules throughout, I'll probably get a bit of stick for that, but I think Racing have a lot of a uh, lot of uh, shots in their locker and I think they know they can they can make secure their quarter final place next weekend and they'll go after
0: it. Okay. Um, time is coming against me now. So Friday night lights at Kings Home, Gloucester against Munster. Pool two is the most competitive pool across the Heineken Champions Cup. Munster are top of the pool, which sounds great. They're on twelve points. But Gloucester, who are bottom, are just four points behind them. So it's Gloucester eight points, Exeter eight points, Castro nine points. And as Eddie said, Exeter go to Thelman Park and round six. So uh, Gloucester against Munster, 7.45 at King's Home on Friday night. Gloucester fourth in the Premiership. Uh, it seems on, t- on the team news front, Danny Cipriani is going to have a fitness test on Thursday, tomorrow. And um Ackerman was saying that Cipriani says he's ready to go, so we might assume, for the purpose of the conversation, that Cipriani will play. Uh, Gloucester weren't terrible by any means, Eddie, when they were at Thomond Park up until the Cipriani red card, and before that they'd had, I think, Tom Savage yellow carded. Um, Munster are coming off a great Christmas, you know, the total opposite to Ulster, so they're feeling pretty good about life. Chris Farrell, maybe the only blot in their copybook.
2: Yeah, I think the the Gloucester you can't read too much into the Gloucester game at Thomond Park. I mean you know, Munster won that, I think it was 36-22. Yeah. But the game was, was uh, skewed by the yellow, and obviously Cipriani's red. Um, and I think that took the vision pop out of Gloucester. They knew they weren't going anywhere. So, I mean, Munster weren't complaining, but I, I think that skewed that game considerably. They, there's always one group in the Heineken that's a crazy group because the, the results go. And, and the big result was when Gloucester went to Exeter and beat Exeter, and then Exeter went back uh, to Gloucester and beat them. So that... Like that's turned that's kept those two teams in the in the fight. I probably the more the more dangerous of the two is the one I worry most about is Exeter. Because um like if Exeter get the job done um next weekend against Castro at home, which I expect they will and they might stick a bonus point on the back of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um they will really fancy their chances going to the home park. And Exeter are one of those teams. I mean, if you were to pick a team in, in the premiership in England that you didn't want to play XR are one of the teams I wouldn't want to play. They're incredibly attritional, incredibly physical, incredibly dogged. And if any team can roll into Thorne Park and throw a spanner in the works, they can. I think Gloucester would like to think they can. Yeah. But even, like, I, I think Gloucester's problem is, is going away to France the following week. But having said that, like, Gloucester are a team that have fluctuated this year between good and bad, and very good and very bad. So I, I don't know. If Gloucester play very well, um, there's a chance that they 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 they, they could beat Munster, but I just back Munster and their experience to get it done away from home. They've done it before. Um, they certainly shouldn't be cut short against a team like Gloucester, who are pretty good in the in the Gallagher Premiership. But I don't think they're they're a the full metal jacket yet. So I would I would think Munster should get that done, but it's not a it's not a given. I think they'll have to work very hard for it. Um, but having said that, I, I think they do have to get it because it would be very, very uh, sweaty plans and tall hard the following week with Exeter
0: yeah. even. Yeah, Stephen, there's no wiggle room for Munster, really. Are you backing them to go to King's home? I am, yes. Um,
1: you know, they've been there before, uh, a number of years ago, and uh, they got a couple of famous victories over there, so they've been there and done it. Um, two South African coaches going head-to-head. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very intriguing one, but I totally agree with Eddie, and I've actually been speaking to a couple of former Exeter players who have been speaking to me just about generally having the old phone calls when I'm up and down to Dublin and yeah. chatting about rugby, and they definitely fancy their chances coming to Thurman Park and getting a result. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that against them because, you know, watching Munster play Leinster, a good team in Thurman Park, they played absolutely no rugby. Like it, it was, I was just wondering. You know how are they going to break down this Leinster team and score tries? And apart from the mall try and the intercept, there was so little rugby. Their phase play wasn't great, um, and you know they were slightly better, obviously ag- against connaught But against this Exeter team coming next weekend, I know we're talking about next weekend and not, not talking sure. about this game. But I think there's just so much riding on it uh, the following week. Uh, Because this Exeter team, a bit like Toulouse, they can score from anywhere in the counter-attack, but they've got the muscle and they've got the grunt up front. And if there's one team that doesn't know when to lie down, it's definitely Exeter. So, uh, you know, for for Munster, get the job done this weekend and then think about next week.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, So that's the Champions Cup. Uh, Very briefly then, the uh, Challenge Cup, again, not on television, Connacht of Sale uh, this Saturday, we'll have updates from Jenny Murphy. They're three points off Sale Connacht. Sale beat Saracens over the weekend. Uh, Eddie, I think I heard you on commentary over the weekend for the Connacht-Munster uh, game. We were just commenting here the other night that Connacht are 12 points better off than they were at this stage last season. They're still in the mix in the Challenge Cup. Uh, they're in a good place again, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the mood in Galway. Is, you know, you get a sense when you're in the, in, the, in the stadium for games that the mood is very good. Um I keep saying this and, and because it keeps happening is that, that Connacht are playing with a smile on their face. They're really playing a nice brand of rugby. Um, they, they, You know, they, there was a time when they might have, they, they, on, on last weekend they might have got Munster but two things let them down again. The same thing let them down against Lancers. Their game management at times can be poor in terms of when to put the ball, let little to the ball and get down the other end of the field and their line-up cracked a couple of times um, against Munster, uh, especially when you've got Peter Armani and Ty Burden jumping against you. It's a hard lineup to win. But, like, they are in a good place. Despite those creeks, they are in a very good place. Um, the problem for them, I suppose, is Sale Sharks. Sale Sharks are leading the group, and Sale would fancy a crack in Europe. And and the tri- thing about that, the, the, the Challenge Cup, is it's a very mixed bag. You can meet some terrible teams in it, you can meet some very good teams, like, you look there, Harlequins are still in it. Um, you know, Worcester Warriors... Ospreys, Claremont, Northampton, you know Stade Français still floating around there. No, mm. Stade Français in a bad place. But, but the point is that it's a funny competition, and I think like Sale Sharks will fancy their chance in this one. They'll keep their head down. I think Connacht will probably win on the weekend uh, if they play as well as they've played uh, up to now. But it's a lot of pressure on because if Sale beat them on the weekend at home, it'll really put a you know uh, take a lot of wind over their sails and. I think for that reason, Sailor coming to town, they'll fancy their chances, they won comfortably at home. So there's a few things stacking up against Connacht, but I still like the way they're playing, I still like the energy they have, and I'm just hoping they'll kick on the day, but they'll have to get it right as a sailor team that are, are, are not in a bad place at
0: the moment either. OK. Well, look, round five is shaping up beautifully. It's not to be missed. And then round 6 it'll have plenty at stake as well. We draw breath and then suddenly it's the Six Nations. So it's bubbling away very nicely at this stage of the season. Eddie, thanks as always. And Stephen, the very best of luck at uh, Kilimanjaro. Hope all goes well. Thanks, mate. I bloody need it. Come back in one piece, all right? I'll <laughs> try. Right. All Cheers, right. Guys. Stephen Ferris, Eddie O'Sullivan. Thanks, lads. Good night. Sarah, Wednesday nice. nice Rugby on
2: Off the Ball.